Amy, I had heard of that, I love you, Lord. I'd just forgotten it. I love that song. It was a great combination, putting those two together. The Lord put on my heart a while back to uh, just spend some Sundays, I call it, drawing the net. And that means uh, just seeking to share some salvation messages and to make sure that the folks I go to church with and I love uh, will also be with me in heaven. The first sermon had to deal with how to know we're saved. And then last week we looked at just the basic of the cross through the doctrine of the Lamb of God. Today, I guarantee you, most of you that have been in Baptist churches for any time have heard a sermon from this text, the new birth. Turn to John chapter 3, the new birth. I almost change this message today because I thought, oh my goodness, spring break, that'll take a lot of our people out. The bad weather, that'll take some folks out. And Lord, I'd like as many people as possible to hear this so that they might make sure they're saved, but I'm afraid to change it. I really am. And if there's just one soul here today that needs to be saved, wouldn't it be worth it a million times over? John 3, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these miracles or signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see, even see, folks, the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone born of the Spirit. Oh, Father God, I'm trusting your guidance and your leadership and your will today. In this message, in Christ's name we pray, amen. First of all, the must of the new birth. Jesus said in verse 3, most assuredly I say unto you, unless, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then also in verse 7, do not be surprised. Don't be so astounded, Nicodemus. But I'm a Baptist. But uh, I read my Bible. Uh, but I pray. I'm a good husband. I'm a good wife. I'm a good mother. I'm a good student. Don't be surprised that the Lord is saying to us today exactly what he said to Nicodemus in that day. You must be born again. If anyone could have been saved by being religious 
And also this Pharisee, not all were, but Nicodemus obviously was sincere. To call Jesus a good teacher was a sign of respect. And to come and see him, he may have been representing other sincere Pharisees because he said, we know, we know. And we find Nicodemus mentioned two other times later on in the Gospel of John. And it seems as though he was born again somewhere along the way, but he was a sincere man. You know, I heard about a guy that had heart trouble. He got up in the middle of the night and he thought he was taking heart medicine. He took something that was just the opposite of his heart medicine and it killed him. He was sincere, but he was sincerely wrong. I've been sincere a lot of times and gotten lost when I sincerely thought I was on the right path and map and road to where I wanted to go. The word Pharisee means separated one. These people lived lives that were to be separated from anything unclean. They wouldn't touch a dead animal or anything like that. They had strict Sabbath laws. It was just unbelievable. He went to his synagogue that day, and that day about three times a day. They prayed three times a day. Long prayers. They poured over uh, the Old Testament scriptures. In fact, Jesus says a little later on, you being the, not a, the Greek article, the teacher of Israel. According to Jesus' estimation of things, Nicodemus was the greatest Bible scholar among all the religious Jewish leaders in Jerusalem in that day. They tithe, not just their money, but even the smallest of herbs. They fasted twice a week. Now, some of you fast five days a week. You get up and go as fast as you can to Starbucks to get an espresso before you go to work. Did you know there was even a sect of Pharisees called the Black and Blue Pharisees? And you see, when they saw a woman coming down the street, they would close their eyes lest they lust over that woman. And they were always bumping into things and had bruises. They were the Black and Blue Pharisees. What am I saying? There is no one here today any more religious, any more moral or ethical than Nicodemus was. And yet Jesus said to this man, you must, not might, not could, not should, Nicodemus, you must be born again if you expect to even see the kingdom of God. I shared this with the small Wednesday night crowd a while back, so I'll share it again to a little bigger crowd today. Heard a story about a fellow. He was Jewish. He owned an apartment complex down in South Louisiana in Cajun and strict Catholicism country. And every Friday, he would go out on his patio and he would grill steak, and the aroma would just go up among the apartments and the Catholics felt like to be a good Catholic every Friday, they needed to eat fish. And boy, that aroma of steak was just driving them crazy while they were fixing fish sticks. So they called the Catholic priest and said, you got to work on this guy. So the Catholic priest went over, he began to visit him, they became friends. And uh, finally, the Jewish fellow said, okay, I'll become a Catholic. So they had a special service in the Catholic church and one part of the service was baptism, and the priest sprinkled some water on him and said, you were born a Jew. Then he sprinkled a little more water on him. He said, you have lived a Jew. 
And then he sprinkled a little more water. He said, you're now Catholic. They thought all their problems were solved until the next Friday. They called the priest. You haven't done one bit of good. He's grilling steaks again. We're eating fish sticks. So the priest made his way over to the man's apartment. The door was open. He went in. And the sliding glass door was open to the patio. And he watched the Jewish man as he was grilling that steak. And as any good steak griller knows, you need a little bottle of water to keep the fire down. And as the Catholic priest approached him, grilling that steak, he saw him sprinkle a little water on that steak and say, you were born a cow. Sprinkle a little more water. You have lived a cow. And he sprinkled a little more water. He said, you are now a fish. <laughs> ridiculous. And it's just as ridiculous for you to think you are a Christian just because you're religious, just because you've been baptized, just because comparing yourself to other people, you seem to be a much better person than they are. Folks, you must be born again. The must of the new birth. I was religious for a lot of years before I was saved. The second thing I want you to see is its meaning. Uh, Nicodemus certainly didn't understand. In verse 4, he said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? I mean, he may be a little cynical here, but again, he's a sincere seeker. Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? I mean, how does this work? And Jesus answers him in verse 5. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, uh-oh, very controversial verse for some. He's explaining what it means to be born again. Unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, what does that mean? Of course, there are those that would say, well, that means you've got to be baptized. That's a part of the salvation process. Well, there's a lot of problems with that. First of all, it contradicts about 160 scriptures like John 3, 16 in this same chapter that says salvation is solely through faith in Christ. And another problem I have with it is Jesus said this in the day of Nicodemus, and if that was true, then what about the thief on the cross that repented and believed on the Lord? He didn't have a chance to be baptized, but Jesus said, Today you shall be with me in paradise. Now listen, baptism is extremely important. I don't want to de-emphasize that. It is very important. And if you're a Christian and you've not been baptized, I mean, I don't, well, I do too. I mean to somewhat shame base you, I guess, a shame. You ought to be ashamed. He identified with you. Why won't you identify with him through baptism? But that's not what it means. Well, there are some good views and some that you don't even want to mention. One view is he's speaking of the word of God here. Being born of the water. Water represents the word of God. That's a good interpretation. Actually, 1 Peter 1 says being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God. And you've got to have the gospel before you can be born again. That's a good understanding of that. There's another one that I like. Nicodemus was an Old Testament scholar and 
several places in the Old Testament, especially, especially Ezekiel 36, God tells Israel there's going to come a day when he will sprinkle clean water on them. It's symbolical of forgiveness. And he will put his spirit in them. Maybe he was telling Nicodemus, you got to be cleansed, forgiven of your sin. And then there is the interpretation I used to lean toward it, and then I became more theologically astute and left it, and now I'm right back to it again. I think he's talking about physical birth. Now, I'll tell you why. The context. In the preceding verse, Nicodemus asked, well, how can a man be born again? Does he enter a second time into his mother's womb? That fits the context. Jesus said you must be born of the water. When a baby is born, that baby is surrounded in an embryonic fluid or water and the water breaks and the child is born. Also, the following verse, what does he say? Verse 6, that which is born of what? Flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Regardless of which view you take, as long as you don't take the baptism view, the thing that you've got to recognize here is the emphasis is on being born of the Spirit. Verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Verse 8, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Jesus said it's like the wind that blows. You don't see where it starts. You don't see where it ends. But you sure feel and see the effects of it. In fact, the very word wind there is the word pneuma, which can be translated spirit. So what is he saying? He's saying this new birth is a spiritual thing. Now, I want to share a diagram with you. Some people think we're twofold, just body and soul, and soul and spirit are the same thing, and those two words are used interchangeably in the New Testament sometimes. But I think since we're created in the image of God, and there's one God, but he's three persons, that we're trichotomous. We have a body, we have a soul, we have a spirit. But the soul and the spirit are very closely connected. Hebrews 4.12 speaks of body, soul, and spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5 be sanctified in body, soul, and spirit. But that's a whole different subject we don't need to get into. Through the body, we're what? World conscious. I see, I smell, I hear, I taste, I touch. We're world conscious. Oh, I know this pulpit's here. I can see it. I can touch it. Through the soul, and you know, sometimes I've heard folks say, well, you're a body with a soul. Not really, you're a soul with a body. That soul is the real you. That soul is your real personality, your mind, your will, your emotions. It's going to live forever somewhere, in heaven or in hell. There's the soul. But then there's the spirit. And you'll notice, and by the way, through the soul, you're self-conscious. Through the spirit, you're God-conscious because God is spirit. Now, you'll notice in the first diagram on your left, the spirit is blackened, it's dead. We are born sinners and we choose to be sinners and the wages of sin is death. We come into this world alive in body, alive in mind, will, and emotion, soul, but dead spiritually. 
because of sin. Jesus told, God told Adam and Eve, Jesus, the day you eat of the tree, you shall surely die. They didn't die physically that day. It began the process. They didn't die in their soul that day. Where did they die? The day they sinned and rebelled against God in their spirit. So, what is the new birth? It is when you believe on Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit gives life, you're born again spiritually to your spirit. You now have a sensitivity to the things of God. You have spiritual eyes to see, spiritual ears to hear, a spiritual taste to taste, a spiritual touch to touch. And the Holy Spirit begins to work Christianity from the inside out, not the outside in. The Holy Spirit now is the most powerful by far. God, the Holy Spirit, the most powerful force in your life and begins to affect your mind, affect your will, and affect your emotions. And that in turn affects your actions through your body. That's what it means. Have you been born again? Brother Jack, are you sure? I'm 100% sure because that's what happened to me. And I am very concerned that all over America today there will be churches filled with people who are going to hell because they've never been born of the Spirit of God. Religious? Yes. I believe in God. James says the devils believe and tremble, but they're not saved. I do a lot of good works. Good works won't save you. Well, the last thing I want to share is its method. How does it happen? Well, Jesus tells Nicodemus. He asks, how can these things be? And, Nicodemus, and Jesus answers him in verses 14. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And then that wonderful John 3.16 after that. What does that mean as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness? Well, way, way, way back in Numbers chapter 24, verse 4 through 9, the children of Israel began to gripe and complain. It was the seventh time they had done this. We don't like this manna. We need more water. We need better food. And the Bible says they rebelled against God and against Moses. And so the Lord sent poisonous snakes to bite them. And they were dying of the poison. I looked this up this week, and more than likely this was the carpet viper. Let me tell you a little about the carpet viper. Some say it's got the fastest strike of any snake in the world. Now, it looks pretty big there. Actually, they don't grow much over 12 inches long. They hide in the daytime under rocks and shrubs. They come out in the late evening and night. Their venom is one of the most deadly. In fact, it's also found in India, and 50% of the snake bite deaths in India come from this carpet viper. They're camouflaged so well. And its, it's venom 
contains two different toxins, whereas many just contain one. And it keeps your blood from clotting. You begin to bleed out of your nose. You begin to bleed out of your mouth. You begin to vomit blood. And it is a, one of the slowest acting deaths of any venom from a snake. The more I studied the carpet viper, the more I saw a picture of sin. And see, that's exactly why God did what he did. And so when you read this in Numbers, you'll find that the people after dying and being bitten by these snakes, they came and they said, Moses, we've sinned against the Lord. We've sinned against you. Please intercede and ask God to help us. So Moses prayed to God, and God said, here's what you need to do, Moses. This sounded very strange at the time. I want you to take some brass. Brass is the brazen altar was an altar that represented judgment. He said, I want you to take some brass, and I want you to mold an image of one of these poisonous serpents. Mold it. And then I want you to put it on a pole and I want you to hold it up. And anyone who's been bitten by this viper and they are dying of the poison, if they will believe on me, stand on the promise, and look at that serpent on the pole, then I will save them and they won't die. That's exactly what happened. You wonder why God asked them to do such a strange thing. Well, look at the second part of this verse. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man. Nicodemus, I'm telling you how to be born again here. Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. God made him who knew no sin to be that viper, that poison. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. He took our poison. He took our pain. He took our death. He took our hell on Calvary's cross. That if we would look unto Jesus, the crucified Savior, and we would believe on him with all of our heart as Lord and Savior, then we won't perish, but we will have everlasting life. 1924 World Series. Washington Senators, at that time they were called, World Series, New York Yankees. Bottom of the ninth, first two batters had struck out, and uh, Washington was leading by one run. The last Batter got up for the New York team. Full count. Three balls, two strikes. The ball is thrown. I mean, he tagged it. It looked as though it was going to be a home run, but it hit a pole. And it bounced back into the field. And he easily got a triple before the guy, the outfielder, could scoop up the ball. And the third base coach, go for home. So he rounds third and he runs as fast as he can to home. The outfielder throws the ball. It's clear that the runner, when he slid into home, dust flew, but it was clear to everyone he made it before he was tagged. It would have been a tie game, maybe even a victory. 
But when the dust cleared, now this is a true story, the umpire said out. People went crazy from New York. Out! It was so clear he touched home first. And when the people quietened down, the umpire said, the runner is out. He missed first base. Let's pray. I'm not trying to be dramatic. I'm just trying to be real. Jesus said, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Have we not done many wonderful works in thy name? And he said, I will say to them, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. See, they were still in their sin state. Never been born again. He said, I will say, depart from me, I never knew you. You never were born again spiritually. You missed first base. You may have touched second and been baptized and you may have touched third and joined the church and think you're headed home to heaven, but you have missed first base, and that is you must be born of the Spirit. So right now, and I plan to do this in the second service as well, if you are here this morning and you're not sure you're saved, it's time to make sure. This is so important, folks, because there's going to come a day when we're going to either go to heaven forever or hell forever. You don't want to have missed first base. And so if you're uncertain about your salvation, today's the day to make it certain. Jesus said in John 1:12, as many as, or the Bible says, as many as received Jesus, to them he gave the right to become what? The children of God. They weren't born of the flesh, they weren't born of the will of man, they were born of God. And so right now, how do you be born again? You genuinely, sincerely receive Christ into your heart as Savior and Lord. Believing he died. Look, look at him on that pole, look at him on that cross where he became sin in your place. He paid for all of your sin and wrongdoing that you've ever done or you'll ever do. You look to him right now and you put your faith totally in him right now and receive him into your heart. I'm going to pray a prayer like I prayed when I accepted Christ and was born again in 1968, one Thursday night. And if you're unsure about your salvation, why don't you pray this prayer? Okay, this is between you and God. I know you'll mean it. Dear God, I want to know I'm born again. I want to be saved. I look to Jesus who died up on that cross for my sin. And I put my faith in him as my savior. I receive the Lord Jesus into my life today. If you've never come into my life, Lord Jesus, come in today, right now. Begin to change my life from the inside out. Mold me into the kind of person that would be Christ-like. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you were sincere in praying that prayer right now, 
I have no reason to doubt that God would not come into your heart and save your soul. If he gave his only son to suffer and die so that we might be saved, I don't think he would reject us if we sincerely ask Christ to come in our heart and save us. So today I pray many of you have nailed it down. February the 12th, I think, in March when it snowed. That's when you made sure of your salvation, that you were born of the Spirit, that you were going to heaven. Now, if you prayed that prayer today and you realize that you've been saved, that you've been saved today, you need to make it public. One of the best ways is to come forward during the invitation time. But I want you to know this church is full of ministers. And if you will contact me or any of us, we will sit down with you and talk with you about this decision. It's the most important decision in the world. Don't miss first base. During this invitation time, if God is moving on your heart to make another decision, make it. If God is moving you to become a part of this wonderful church fellowship, come on down and let me know. I'll be waiting. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing together, shall we, as Bart leads us.